You are listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt. And I would like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits. So let us reach out from our hearts to those people who have gone before us, those who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us that we might learn from those who have gone before us. I call out to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to these people and I give thanks for their dreaming of a better future that we might be here together now to share that possibility. And I call out with great gratitude to the life that dreamt of humans and the planet that dreamt of that life and the moon and the sun that dream with her, the galaxies that dreamt of solar systems, the universes that dreamt of galaxies and the void that dreamt of it all. I give thanks to all of these dreamers. They are all our ancestors, not just humans, not just life here on earth, but all the way to the elementals. We give thanks to all of these ancestors for being with us here today and being part of this great expression, this great diverse expression of love, of beauty, of spirit manifest in form. And I give great gratitude for all of our ancestors, human and non-human. And with gratitude for the great richness that stands around us, holding us here in this time, this moment of the living, We give thanks to all of this richness standing around us and turn our awareness in, drawing our awareness into our head, from our head to our heart, from our heart to our belly, and from our belly we reach down to the earth and offer gratitude for this life, gratitude for this day, gratitude for all of the beauty and diversity and all the challenges that the day will bring. And we call out with great gratitude to the wonder of life. And the fact that each one of you listening carries a piece of that great miracle. And let us take a moment and be in awe simply of that fact. And with awe and wonder and beauty in our hearts and great, great gratitude, let us reach down through all the layers of the earth, giving our gratitude as we go, as we reach down through all the layers of the earth to the very center, to the very core of the earth. And as we connect there in the very deep, deep center of the earth, let us take a moment in the place of peace and darkness and solitude and the place of stillness to feel the nourishment and the sustaining energy, the rejuvenation and replenishment that comes from this energy. And as we draw it up, just like crystal clear water rising to the surface of this planet, without that fact, we would be... um, very challenged to live. So we give thanks to the energy of the earth as it rises up in this wonderful restorative way, just like a crystal clear spring rising to the surface. And we draw this energy up into our bodies. And we use this energy to reach down and connect and choose to be grounded in our life, to grow a spine for ourselves and know what we stand for in life and where we stand. 
And with that sense of self, we build a place that we would call home and we open our hearth and we gather around us community. And we do this in such a way, my blessing, my hope, my prayer is that we do this in such a way that the other is welcome that those we do not know and do not understand are welcome at our table, can find safe harbor in our home. May we know that sense of home, for we must come to understand that humanity is one great family. And so we give thanks for the energy of the earth for showing us how this great diversity of life can work in these amazing ecosystems that keep turning and cycling through the seasons, nourishing and sustaining each other in all these different phases of life. Let us understand how to be in the world in that way. So we give thanks to the earth for this teaching, this wisdom of manifestation. We give thanks to the earth for teaching us about connection and interconnection and ultimately the great oneness of life. And may we take a moment, slow down enough today to take a moment connecting with the earth, reaching our awareness out to connect with all things and know this place of oneness within ourselves. And from that, may we take right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with our environment, and right relationship with the spirit world. And may we move through this day with that intention to use our will in a good way and be in right relationship with all things. And with this prayer within ourselves, let us draw the energy of the earth up from the belly to the heart, from the heart to the mind, and rise up with this energy through the layers of the sky and whatever weather it holds above you on this day, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, and let our energy rise up all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, know it and call it down, drawing down through the realm of the sky the energies of blessing, the energies of protection, the energies of generosity and devotion, benevolence, the energy that allows us as humans to find the mentors and the champions we need in our life and to be the mentors and the champions we are called to be by the moment. So we call this energy down from above, drawing this energy into our head, into our heart, into our belly, sending it all the way down into the center of the earth. And in this way, we draw down the wisdom of the cosmos. And we are this place that these two great lovers, heaven and earth, come together within us and open up this energy that birthed this universe of form into existence, this dance of this big love. And may this energy within you awaken your heart and its true nature, and may your heart awaken that great crucible of transformation that lives within each one of us. And in your heart, may you reach down into the deep, fiery passions of your belly, of your lower chakras, and call up this energy that is the burning desire to do what you have come here to do and draw down from your mind the crystal clarity that allows us to begin to understand how do I do this thing in this world I have been born into in this time I have chosen to live and we let those energies dance in the crucible of the heart not in any way that destroys the other but in this great um, complex duality this compatibility that allows them to give birth to this third sacred thing which is your knowing of why you are here it might not be a complete sentence a complete awareness but a feeling in your heart that this is the essence of why i am here and may you find in your heart the cure courage to bring that essence out into manifestation in some way large or small today to begin to bring your gifts to the world So with the helping spirits gathered around us and above and below and the hearts within, I give thanks to all the spirit help that we have in this day. 
may what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I'd also like to give thanks to those of you choosing to be incarnate as human beings at this time and those of you who are able to offer yourself, your energy, your hard-earned dollars, rubles, euros, and yen, those of you that are able to help me to keep the show um, alive and well and on the air. I give special thanks to Bradley, Eduardo, and Stephen, and all of the listeners who have donated to the show. Um, If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, even if it moves you into irritation, you have been moved. And I ask you to allow yourself this fundamental act of shamanism, which is to let the movement of the heart motivate your actions and to do something large or small to help the show to grow. Um, I, I have such such gratitude for those of you that are able to donate financially because it helps me day-to-day, month-to-month keep the show alive and well. But I also give thanks to those of you that do things in your life with what you are learning on the show because it is this fact that we are able to transform that inspires me to do the show. It inspires me in life, not just for the show. But it, without that, I, I'm not really sure I would bother. And so I'm also deeply grateful to those of you that challenge yourself to transform. Because whenever a living creature is stopped by fear on one day and chooses to move through it the next, life for me becomes worth living. And I am deeply grateful to those of you who share your stories of your own transformations and your own struggles with transformation because this to me is what matters. Now, there are many things that matter in life. That just happens to be the thing that matters to me. But when I say thank you to the earth for the generosity in this dreaming that allows us to transform, I am talking about one of the essences of life here on earth that gives me a reason to get out of bed. So I thank you all for sharing your lives with me and this part of your life in particular because this is the way I believe we will become the people who can write the new story for the new world so thank you for giving me hope giving me a reason to get out of bed and for sharing with me in this adventure that we call life so today we are live if you have questions about today's show topic which is the shaman in love Um, you are invited to call in at 512-772- one nine three eight, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site, or you can email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to read your question on the air. So years ago, I had a teacher, um, a Taoism Qigong teacher, who did these wonderful talks that always had these titles, you know, the Taoist in finances, the Taoist in love, the Tao, you know, and I always wanted to actually, actually this is the idea I had for these shows is that they would be the shaman in love. And the problem of course, is that, um, they don't work very well for search engines. <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't named the shows that, but I felt inspired, uh, to name this show, the shaman in love, because I wanted to talk today about relationship. Relationships are great teachers. If we can learn how to use them. There is a Taoist phrase that lovers touch at the weakest places. So the question is then, do you turn and run away or do you stay and transform? And this is, of course, why relationships are great teachers, potentially. This is, of course, why patterns repeat in relationship, either within the same relationship because you keep turning and running (laughs) or between relationships 
you keep turning and running away completely and creating a new relationship and manifesting exactly the same thing. Because the relationships are teachers. And you don't get to skip ahead in class. (laughs) You have to learn what life is teaching you. And so do you turn and run? Or do you stay and transform? If you stand and transform, something unexpected can happen. And it is that constant call uh, in contemporary shamanism. Or perhaps we could call it the constant challenge. Because, you know, we don't really have to admit that we just got that answer in our journey. Right? So the constant challenge in shamanism, contemporary shamanism is, are you going to turn and run back to your contemporary, intellectually mediated, consumer-driven life? Or are you going to stand in your curiosity and your courage and ask spirit how to transform? And so there's a, there's a profound overlay here between using your contemporary shamanic practice to transform and to cultivate intimacy with spirit and with relationship with humans, with spirit incarnate and the cultivation of intimacy and the willingness to stand and transform in relationship. And so we're talking about relationship today, frankly, because of the, the three times a charm. So first, or last week, I should say, but first we had Sparrow Heart talking with us um, in the show last week about the quality of our relationships with both the everyday world and the numinous world. And we were, um, and in this way, talking about his own work, about Vision Quest, his own book, he began talking again about intimacy, And um, there was a show just a while back about intimacy with spirit. Are we allowing ourselves to go deeply in our shamanic practice such that we are truly cultivating intimacy with spirit? And what are we doing if we're not? That was the last, the other show. But this show is about relationship. It is about intimacy. And so here Sparrowheart brought us back there. And so I've been thinking Why is it that everything here, as we're coming to the end of the first year of the new world, the first cycle completing itself, that everything keeps pointing at intimacy? And so then the next thing that happened is I was teaching something somewhere recently in this last month, and this this lovely, extremely sincere person asked, as we were talking about the work, do all relationships end when people study with you? <laughs> and the person was being very sweet and sincere and and sort of shocked in their realization of what we were talking about and then everybody laughed at what they said and they were sort of shocked out of their sincerity but it is an important question yes some relationships do end when people study with me and that is usually because the person realizes that that relationship is actually no longer useful it's no longer a teacher The ones that don't end deepen because the shamanic skills are skills of intimacy with spirit and they require ever increasing intimacy with self, which then translates into intimacy in relationship. So the shamanic skills take us deeper into intimacy with ourself and thus with our partner. But also in this particular set of teachings, there's so much in the work about clearing and how you grow up and stop letting the wounded child drive your bus and become, a, become spiritually mature, that there's also a maturing quality in the work that is really nourishing and sustaining for relationship. 
As much as it seems to be a destructive force, in actuality, it's a great stabilizing and nourishing force. We do, however, suggest that couples engage in the cycle teachings um, at, at different uh, years that they don't go through at the same time, or they don't go through, or they go through at the same time but not at the same location. Yes, <laughs> um, it is a bit much. Um, nonetheless. So the third instance, the third sort of reason to talk about intimacy was actually a listener. And um, she was sharing deeply with me about how she's using what she's learning on the show and, and a healing that she had with me and, and what is changing and what's moving forward in her life and in her family. And then she said, where I feel kind of stuck still is in my relationship. I don't know how to be living with him and take care of other financial obligations. We scrape by like a couple of coyotes, and I feel like I'm growing mangy here. I love that, that one line. Scrape by like a couple of coyotes, and I feel like I'm getting mangy here. Hmm. His job is horrendous to his health. I've been underemployed, and it goes on. And it's familiar. It's probably familiar to all of us, at least at some point in time in our life, if not right now. And she continues, how do I take care of myself and not hurt anyone? My fear is that I will slip up and manipulate him. My fear is that I will leave him and find out he was a good match. Sound familiar? (laughs) So how do we take care of ourselves and not hurt anyone in relationship? We can't. Yes, how we treat others is important. We must always look at how we treat others, especially those we are intimately connected with. But you know what she's really saying here. This is about this situation that happens in relationship when we we continue to lie to ourselves, to avoid saying or doing something that we perceive would hurt the other person. And so we get into a dilemma in the relationship where we feel we're either hurting ourselves or that person and that there's no good way out of it. Now, the important thing in this conversation here today is I'm talking about relationships between adults. And yes, with children, it is important to worry very much about not hurting them. That is a very, very critically important thing for adults to do, granted. But we are not children. And there is a great deal of dynamic that goes on in the lives, the relationship lives of contemporary adults that is really about two inner children, inner wounded children, desperately trying to get their needs met. And what's important in relationship, if you're going to approach this from a holistic shamanic stance, is that you are not a child, nor is your partner. So we aren't children. So we need to approach relationships as adults and trust that the other person has the capacity to heal from things that scrape and bruise, things that might even cut. And that is very, very important to know about adults is we don't have to worry that they don't have the capacity, their own inner truth, their own inner goodness to heal. So a long time ago, Actually, the very, very beginning of my training, I, I was at a shamanic training um, in upstate New York, and um, 
I tended to sit with the same group of people at breakfast, mostly because they made me laugh. And there was a particular man who always uh, responded with these stories about his life with his wife and his kids. And these were just these amazing stories where they lived in different states for certain periods of time. They'd done just unbelievable things for their relationship. And and he he shared these stories in ways that were were funny and we laughed and we all nodded about how challenging relationships are. But at one point, I I asked him to speak with me alone, seriously, you know, privately. And I said, how did you and your wife do this? They'd been together for, I don't know, 20 years and I'd never managed two months in relationship. It's like, how did, how did you do this? Because every story involved the kind of things that other couples would see as deal breakers that would end the relationship. And yet these two had somehow figured out how to make it work. And, and they were happy. And they were both um, passionate, um, growing, changing, transforming individuals. And so they were making it work. And they were, they were dealing with the kinds of things others allow to end relationships. And so I said, how? how? honestly speak to me you know wise man how did you do this and he said well we approach every well he said well first we know the difference between the small challenges and the large challenges and that's the first thing is understand what what are actually the big issues he said but beyond that with the big issues we have always been willing to to go at that big issue together with the willingness in both of us to end the relationship if that's what was necessary to save it. And it's, it's totally Taoistic paradox, and it's so shamanic. The willingness to die if that is what is necessary for life, true, the true authentic life to happen. And so that's really the answer. It's the best answer, and it's not mine. I got this from that man. How do you take care of yourself and not hurt anyone? You don't. You go at your relationship the way you go at your shamanic life, willing to die if that's what is necessary for the true life to be reborn, willing to let the relationship die if that's what it takes for it to live. And now her other two questions were about fears. And I can't tell you how often I sit and I listen to my clients with their presenting issues And I see that their entire stress bundle that they're trying to deal with, that many of them are medicated for, is really just endeavoring to deal with their network of fears around relationship. And in many ways, it's all, in a sense, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but in a sense, it's self-generated. It's our own template of fears in relationship. And so what I want to honor this listener who, who began with the exact same thing, a big bundle and template of fears, you know, a fear that I'll slip up and I'll manipulate him, fear that I will leave him and find out that he was a good match. These aren't uncommon fears. And I want to give her credit because she did what I would offer as advice for people to do. The first thing she did is she took it to spirit. She took her questions one by one to spirit and asked, asked for help. How do I do this? How do I do this in a good way? What is really going on here? What is the root of my fears? You know, she took these normal, deeply stressful, challenging aspects of relationship to spirit to get that perspective 
not to then just be an automaton and do exactly what spirit says, but to understand more deeply how this situation in relationship that I'm experiencing as stressful is really a teacher wanting to happen. And how do I engage with it as a teacher and learn? How do I stay and transform? Because when we're just stressing out about it, we're actually turning to run. And, 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 and <coughs> what this listener did was to stay, to journey, to ask what was necessary, to understand how to transform. And then she shared a second thing, which just was so sweet I could hardly stand it. She said, the other thing that I'm doing is I'm taking my consciousness to a deeper level in myself, which means I'm either not getting hooked or I'm working through the getting hooked in a way that clears it at its source. And this is, of course, the other piece that I see goes with our shamanic skills of journeying is our ability to clear our energy and to start to take responsibility for that template of fears and to understand we created it, we can uncreate it. So this being in love thing is a deeply important part of life, in part because relationships are teachers but also simply because the willingness to go in to intimacy with another is in and of itself important. This isn't an aspect of life to be avoided. Nor should one stay in relationship just to be in one. Solitude is also a great teacher. And I have learned deeply from both. Spent huge amounts of my life in solitude, not in relationship. So I'm a great advocate for that. I think staying in relationship because you're simply afraid to not be in relationship is, is a profound that, – that's not running from relationship. That's running from your destiny. That is not that big a deal to be alone. Being alone is good for us. But the show today is about the other choice, the other, the other Taoistic dynamic there with solitude, with the hermit, is the lover. It is important for us to engage the lover, to be the lover, to move intimately into relationship with ourself and with others. Great lovers are committed to bring the unstable to the table as a practice. It's another Taoistic thought about relationship, that great lovers are committed to bringing the unstable to the table as a practice. And so the first thing that I would say, sort of illuminating this shamanically, is that relationships, yes, are an opportunity for healing, but more importantly, they're an opportunity for death to function as an ally. So death comes into the relationship to get us to truly live, to stand and to transform. And in this, we have to remember that we simply are not children. We need to not act like children by going into our adult relationships simply to get our own needs met. That's perfectly legitimate action for a child. They have legitimate needs and those needs do need to be met. That is a completely unrealistic reason for an adult to enter into a relationship. And we need also to not infantilize our partner and treat them like a child. As if they're going to be so very hurt by our truth or even by our flailing around about issues. This, this whole protecting our partners as if they're children 
no, it's important to be kind. It's important to be respectful. It's important to be honest. It's important to communicate. But it's not important to avoid all those things out of this fear of hurting someone who is not a child. Nothing kills an adult relationship faster, gay, straight, or otherwise, than behaving like children. Keep in mind, unless you are a pedophile, having sex with a child is deeply unappealing, right? So why would you act like a child in relationship? It makes you very not sexy, right? Being a child in relationship isn't sexy. And when you infantilize your partner, they won't be appealing to you. So all of you women out there, I hear this all the time, who treat your male partners as if they're children, um, as if they don't understand their own emotions, and you, you read their minds and do all of that for them and then wonder why you're not having great sex? Well, because you've, you've, in, you've turned your husband into a child or your partner into a child. And of course you're not having great sex. Who wants to have sex with a boy? Ick, right? For those of us that aren't pedophiles, having sex with children is not appealing. So don't act like one and don't turn your partner into one. This is this fundamental place because we're such codependent, enabling, addictive adults that we do not understand that this is the death stroke to adult relationships. So shamanically speaking, you want to bring death in to the relationship to help you see where you're being a child and what do you need to let go of so you can grow up in that place and show up in your relationship as an adult. Stay and transform. So that's challenging. I get it. So how do we do that? Well, we're back to that whole not knowing your emotions. So the next aspect of relationship that connects with shamanism, as I understand the cosmology of shamanism, is that there's a great warriorship required in relationship. And this warriorship is about listening to the wisdom of your emotional body. This requires great courage and diligence. It is completely contrary to our cultural norm, which also requires courage to be other than, different from the herd of lemmings going over the cliff. It is, and so this is truly learning the wisdom of your emotional body, learning how you feel it, like not how your girlfriend feels it, how you feel it, and being able to communicate from that place, not just quoting everybody else's poetry, but speaking even ineloquently, from your own emotional truth, this is the warriorship of relationship. Cultivating ongoing emotional truth and communicating honestly and in a way that can be heard is essential for healthy relationship. In other words, saying, you know, ripping someone to shreds in the way you speak your truth is childish. It's important that you speak your truth, but it's also important as an adult that you say it in a way that allows the other person maximum possibility of hearing what you're saying. And if they just had to dive for cover, they're not in a maximum possibility of hearing. And so it's very important that we cultivate our ongoing emotional truth, we communicate honestly, and in a way that can be heard is essential for healthy relationships. And it is actually required if we are to cultivate intimacy with spirit as well. And we really aren't practicing shamanism until we do cultivate intimacy with spirit. And so this whole 
circling dynamic between you and your emotional wisdom, your intimacy with spirit, drawing that intimacy into intimacy with yourself, deeper intimacy with your own emotions, ability to communicate with your partner. This all needs to keep feeding um, itself to keep nourishing and sustaining the growing emotional health and well-being of you as a person, which then allows the collective greater emotional health and well-being to happen in your relationship. So for most of you, your relationship with spirit isn't any more intimate than your most intimate human relationships. And this is true in spite of how you feel in journeys. I know that we often in journey feel a great intimacy, a great merging, a great connection with spirit, granted. But until, this is another aspect of shamanism though is, until you can live that and manifest what you see or experience in your journeys in your life, it's just just dreaming. Nothing wrong with dreaming, but the whole point of dreaming is to manifest in reality. So your capacity to manifest intimacy Um, on what you're observing in your life is actually really communicating back to you pretty accurately where your capacity for intimacy is. Now, this is something I have learned the hardest way possible and continue to be taught the hardest way possible through broken hearts and crash dreams and all of this. I mean, I'm not a master here in any way, but I do understand finally that this is the point. I do... I do finally understand that, that this thing the helping spirits are teaching about intimacy with them is so that I can come into intimacy with myself and be a better human. And until I'm a better human, I'm not going to make better decisions. And until humans start making better decisions, we aren't changing the story. And until we change the story, we won't change the world. And right now, the world is calling out to us to change the story. And so this is a huge piece of I've, – I've been looking at my website lately. I know this isn't a, too far of an aside. I've been looking at my website lately to change things. And I've looked at other people's websites in doing that. And there's so many websites out there about being the best shamanic training school in America or in the world or in the universe or whatever. And I'm looking at this and thinking, I just want to try to create people that can figure out how to fix the Pacific Ocean. You know, I just want people who can understand how to work with spirit and scientists and figure out something we haven't figured out yet about how we save an entire food chain in an ocean we've killed. How do we keep those, that core from melting down in a way that it pollutes the air so that it's unlivable in the entire northern hemisphere? How do we stop killing bees? These are the things that matter. And until we cultivate greater intimacy with ourselves – We're not going to be better humans. And until we're better humans, we're not going to make better decisions. It's really, really simple. And this is why relationship matters because it's our ground, our our dynamic place for where we practice deeper intimacy, where we scare the crap out of ourselves and challenge ourselves to love anyway. And it's incredibly important, incredibly important to bring the intimacy we are gaining with spirit into our relationship with self and into our relationship with others. It is absolutely essential. So in America, we generally see two patterns given our cultural programming. 
around our emotional wisdom. We see detachment from emotions, and there are many versions of this, some male, some female, some whatever. But there's lots that um, many patterns of disengaging from our emotions. The other pattern culturally in America, given our programming, is indulgence in emotions and overindulgence in emotions. So this feels like drama on one hand, or it can feel like stagnation, suffocation, depression on the other hand. These are... um, These are these kind of two main patterns we find ourselves in. So if you want to begin to explore this, how do you begin to step up to the warriorship of owning and cultivating an emotional body, right? How do you do that? The first thing is a little self-evaluation here. Which pattern do you tend to do? Do you tend to shut down emotionally or do you tend to overindulge, right? And then how do you tend to do that with spirit, So given that kind of honest evaluation, you can begin to dive into crafting your first question for how to begin to journey about this. So let's say you have a tendency to deny your emotions, for example, that you um, have them. You deny that you have them, for example. That's not uncommon. Or you have them, but you deny that they matter. That's real typical, right? Or perhaps you have them, but you're not sure they're the correct emotions, I see people that worry all the time about whether they're having the correct response to something. So there's a whole lot of ways of denying your emotions. So you can journey to ask to be shown the root of your denial, but you need to identify your own denial first for that journey to make any sense. You can't just be a generic journey. You need to be completely aware of your personal template, your little pattern for denial to get an answer that's going to be meaningful to you to this question. What is the root of the denial of your emotions? Now, if you have a particular sensation that goes with your emotional denial, some people are shut down to the feeling as the, the sensory input as well, like hot, cold, prickly, constricted, you know, the sense, senses, not just the feelings, but the sensation of it. If you're not shut down to that and you actually have a particular pattern that goes with it, like the feeling of numbing out in your body, some feel a hardening of the heart. There are many different sensations that could go with denial of emotional Uh, information coming up you could journey specifically about your felt pattern what what is the truth of that what is really going on and that will also take you in to begin to understand why you have this particular pattern of denial now on the other hand let's say you have a tendency to indulge or overindulge your emotions so this is a major form of cycling by the way of of creating a situation in life where you get to feel as if you're doing a lot of work a lot of transformation work when you're not actually changing anything, much less transforming. So that's cycling. So overindulging your emotions is, is a really common way of cycling. Okay, so you could ask head on what emotions are running deeper that I am afraid to feel. So you're sensing this emotional drama that's going on or this place of stagnation or suffocation and just ask to be shown the emotions that are running deeper than that that you're terrified to feel. Now that's a little bit of a head-on question but I personally like those questions. Why not cut to the chase? But if that's too scary, you could ask what truth is needed to pierce this stagnation or suffocation? (coughs) What truth is needed? begin a little bit simpler and begin to unravel it in that way. The possibilities are actually endless. 
But you need to feel into your emotions. You need, you need to be willing to do some honest self-evaluation and to tune in. And you are very likely to lie to yourself. It's one of those um, opportunities for self-lying. And so this might also be um, a journey process that you would want to do with others so that you can share the journeys. You can all journey for each other and perhaps break through what you wouldn't normally tell yourself. So in terms of life and in terms of what matters, I am truly all about the love. Um, But I am about true love, mature love, not selfish love in adults. So let me translate this, this kind of full sentence from the spirit world, which is people always say, blah, 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 but I love him. But I love her. You know, I can't do what I know I need to do because I love him. I love her. As if your capacity for love is some scarcity. And this to me is the great problem with the enormous misunderstanding around soulmates. People believe now that if they have any strong, deep emotion towards another person, it must be their soulmate. Because, of course, I could only be feeling this if it was my soulmate. And that's not true. Humans have an enormous capacity to love. So this whole, I know exactly what I need to do, but I love him, but I love her. So what? The translation of that experience, of that sentence from the spirit world's perspective is actually this. When you say, but I love him or her, from the spirit world, you're actually saying, this relationship is no longer my truth and I know it. But I love the way I feel when I seduce myself into believing that my wounded child, the one I refuse to care for myself, will get his or her needs met in this relationship, even though I know that hasn't actually happened yet. So granted, but I love him, but I love her is a shorthand for a very long sentence. But you need to understand you're helping spirits know that that's what you're really saying. Warriorship in relationship and the cultivation of the wisdom of your emotional body allows you to live accountably and to live authentically. And that is to come into your magnificence. Wouldn't you want that for your partner, for someone that you love, that they come into their magnificence? Would you not want a partner who wants that for you? If you cannot live accountably, to your truth, and you cannot live authentically to your purpose, then you must stand and transform in that relationship or bow out with grace, gratitude, and respect. Now, okay, therein lies the rub. Is it time to stand and transform or time to bow out with grace, gratitude, and respect? Relationships are teachers. And the trickster is always there in the teacher. So here we are. Do I stand and transform or do I bow out? It's important to remember in relationship that we are always attracted to our shadow. And I've talked about this at length in other shows. You can go listen to those. Just know we are attracted to our shadow so that we can see the self that we've shoved in the shadow And bring that self out. And this is the main reason relationships are such, can be such fruitful teachers. And that is actually what that Taoistic statement means, that lovers touch at the weakest places. 
we, we touch right at this shadow place, the, these aspects of ourself we are so afraid of, we have judged so harshly. These are our weakest places. So knowing that then in relationship, these are your options. You can turn and run away. And this includes divorcing and remarrying the same version of that person who's 10 to 15 years younger. You know, to turn and run away will guarantee that you will repeat the same patterns. Because this is about your shadow and you're the common denominator in all of your relationships. So that's one option, turn and run. Okay, option number two is stand and transform. Now to do this, you need skills. Most of us, most of us did not learn these skills in our family of origin. So you're going to have to pony up and go learn something. I did. I spent a lot of years invested in learning it. And I teach it now because I think it's the most important thing that I teach, which is the actual energy clearing. There are other versions. One one of the most popular, most easily accessible, used by couples because it sort of works in male language and female language, gay language and straight language. You know, it's universally languaged, is the Imago process. So right off the website, the Imago therapy is a highly effective form of relationship and couples therapy that has positively affected thousands of couples around the world. And that is a true statement. This transformational method of therapy was developed 25 years ago by Dr. Harville Hendricks and Dr. Helen LaKelly Hunt for couples or individuals to find a way to be more effective in their life and relationships. So you don't have to do crazy weird stuff with me. You can go do a sane therapeutic process with normal therapy people if you want to. But the bottom line is, if you want to stand and transform in relationship, you will most likely need a skill to do that. And it's most helpful in relationship if the two of you share the same skill. Now, within this though, you as a shamanic practitioner, assuming you are a shamanic practitioner, you could choose to consciously do your shadow work so that your life and your relationships don't have to drag that in for you. So this is what I teach in the four-year program in year two is there is a construct within our cosmology that allows us to go into our shadow realm and do deep shadow work because generally speaking, you cannot journey into your shadow realm because it's the shadow. Um, And I won't get into that right now. There's other shows about that. But the point is you can pull some of the weight off your relationship for it to be doing all the shadow work for both of you if you actually choose to do your shadow work intentionally. How do you do that? Well, without the construct in the cosmology that I teach, shamanically, you can't just journey in there. It doesn't work well. You lie to yourself. But there are ways to journey to kind of like skimming off the surface, to take a shadow self out of the shadow that you're actually already ready to integrate. That is possible. So there's this whole piece in here about standing and transforming that um, there are many ways to approach, shamanically or not shamanically, um, but it is important to understand that it is going on in a relationship whether you like it or not. And, and you, if you learn to use it, your relationship can be a great, great tool for transformation and can allow you to, to step onto your destiny, right? And now, of course, there is the third option. in relationship, which is, do you bow out? So when is it time to bow out? And I'll tell you, I have done a lot of this in my life, and I actually believe that people know exactly when it's time to bow out. Different ways, but you know. But people don't want to know 
They don't want to trust that instinct. But I actually believe people do know. And many of us just won't let ourselves know. However, you could approach this process to check your knowing, to make sure you're not just running from a really big transformation, a really gnarly shadow self that's been brought up by your partner. You could check whether it's really time to bow out or not. And, and so in general, let me just say that we, it is time to bow out in a relationship when you cannot live accountably to your truth. You've tried but you simply cannot with this person. When you cannot live authentically to your purpose in that relationship, you've tried, but you simply cannot. That you've tried to stand. You've transformed. You've done all that you can do, and you simply realize that authenticity and accountability to yourself and respect for this person simply can't happen. And so it's time to bow out. Because people choose what they choose. You know, I've met soulmates. I'm not living with any of them because they've made choices in this life that I cannot live with. I cannot do my authenticity and I love them and I'm happy for them. But it's important for you to understand when it is time to bow out. So here's the process you can journey about. You're ready to bow out when you can do so with grace, meaning you feel the full hand of spirit. In all that is happening in the relationship and what the other person is doing in what you are doing and you are at peace with that. You understand not just a, a new age platitude, everything is perfect, but you've worked with spirit to actually be able to tell me why and how everything is perfect or your friends or whatever. The point is you're not just, just glossing over going everything is perfect, but you've actually journeyed enough to understand how this is the perfect storm what this dynamic is, and that you can really respect that teacher in the relationship. And then the second piece you want to be truly standing in is true gratitude. And to know what you're grateful for, to be able to sincerely look that person in the eye with great gratitude for what you have gained from the relationship, but also from this moment this moment in that relationship that you are going to bow out from. Very important. And finally, you need to be able to bow out with respect. Respect of this person you've been in relationship with, respecting the relationship itself, and self-respect. And when you, you have worked with spirit to come to a place, which is going to require transformation in and of itself, to bow out with grace and gratitude and respect... And that doesn't actually bring you back into relationship with the person to do all that, then it is time to bow out. So now let's say you want to engage your intimate relationship as a teacher. Then there are two aspects of that relationship that you must step into. So you're not bowing out. You're going to stand and you're going to transform. And you want to begin to use your intimate relationship as a teacher. So then there are two aspects of relationship you must engage in. One is freedom and the other is sex. Now, that doesn't mean you have to have sex. What I'm saying uh, is that you must bring your authenticity, your accountability, your truth, and your honesty about sex into the relationship. Okay? So freedom and sex. So freedom itself is essential for intimacy. 
right? Why is it that it's easier for many of us to cultivate intimacy first in our relationship with spirit? Because in that relationship, we are completely free. We're free to be brilliant. We're free to be idiots. We're free to fail. We're free to succeed. We are completely free in our relationship with spirit to be human and to find our way. And part of the reason we're free (coughs) in that relationship because helping spirits aren't humans. They don't have their own agendas. They don't have their own issues. They don't have their own projections. They don't have their own baggage to confuse our baggage. And so it's a one baggage kind of relationship and it allows us to be free to find intimacy. And the heart needs this. The heart needs to be free to love deeply and passionately. Children need safety. So if you feel you need safety in relationship, then there is an aspect of your wounded child that needs to meet his her needs directly so that you're able to adequately protect your heart. And then you need to go back into relationship wanting freedom, not safety. The heart is a wild thing. It needs to be free to love. It is not uh, meant to protect itself. We are meant to protect our heart's projects and our heart. But the heart needs to be free. So, Taoistically, the dynamic that you look at is the dynamic between detachment and engagement. You must give each other the freedom to be able to engage. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to be poly to be a true lover. I'm saying that you must stay clear of emotional entanglement and enmeshment to love as an adult. In other words, you can't be trying to get your childhood needs met. You, you need to meet your childhood needs personally, you with yourself directly, and reach into your relationship with your adult partner in a way that has this dynamic between uh, being detached enough from each other to actually engage with gusto so that there's this freedom to come together with passion and with love, with intimacy, with gentleness, with whatever is needed. So many of you could journey for months to sort all this out for yourselves and uh, do so because you must be able to detach in relationship to truly engage, to have that freedom. The other is sex. Your erotic choices are crucial for your destiny. You know, remember to live accountably and to live authentically is to come into your magnificence. Your partners that you take are about your destiny. There is no way to avoid that. And you need to partner in a way that supports the other's movement towards his or her destiny. People and relationships are not our destiny. That person is not your destiny. That relationship is not your destiny. Our destiny is a primary relationship with us alone. And our partners and relationships need to move us towards that destiny. So it's important then that we understand authentically and are accountable to to the freedom to engage with sexual intimacy as is true for us. It's important to not have sex as a compensation, which is very common today. I have been in the past guilty of it myself. But whatever good sex is to you, truthfully, from being an asexual person 
to great sexual diversity, to monogamy, whatever it is, remember that these choices must ring with your destiny. They cannot, sex cannot be a compensation that you do because you don't have the courage to live your destiny. So the beauty of shamanic skills is that they allow us to look towards different futures, to see how our choices today create the reality of tomorrow. And one of the most important gifts of a shamanic practice is the clarifying and truing up of one's vision. And the challenge comes when we do our shamanic work and we come to realize that the vision we thought we had for life isn't what we thought it was, that it's not true for us. Maybe we didn't want the house and the two kids and the white picket fence. Maybe the true vision for us is something else. The other things we sometimes come to understand through our shamanic work and through a deeper intimacy with ourself is that in clarifying my dream and in my partner clarifying his or her dream, we see that these dreams really aren't compatible. Now, if in relationship we are standing and transforming regularly, communicating from a place of personal truth and honesty and working on our shadow stuff to find out who we truly are. If that's how we're already engaging in relationship, then many things are being outmoded by our growth. And there's no shame in that. You know, there is no shame in transforming and growing up and stepping into your destiny. Life requires growth and the ability to eliminate our own waste. So if you find that your visions for your life dreams are not aligned you know, if a couple finds that, then deal with it with grace, with gratitude, with respect. It's really not that hard if you're already engaged honestly and truthfully in an intimate relationship. The greater challenge, perhaps, is when our dreams continue to inspire each other. Our relationship with the others, infinity becomes the path. We must be in love with the person the other shows him or herself to be, especially as it evolves. So that this big, curious, unselfish love matters, and it matters day in and day out. But for the day in and day out, we also need to look at compatibility. Do we have it? Can we cultivate it where we don't? You know, love matters, and as you grow in intimacy with spirit, in your shamanic practice, your capacity to love others will only increase. Love isn't the issue in relationship. We have an enormous capacity to love. Most of us can look back at our lives and realize we can love just about anyone, sometimes embarrassingly true. We are born lovers. This is what the human heart is designed to do. So the compatibility of our vision and our destinies matter. They matter deeply. They are the ritual of relationship. They are, they are that which must change constantly. So this is the deepening. The deepening ritual of relationship is the compatibility of our vision and destiny. And at the same time, the compatibility in day-to-day life matters. Love is not enough. We have a huge capacity for it. But day in, day out. We need to be partners that move each other towards the destiny. And that compatibility day-to-day create, widens the relationship. It is like the ceremony of relationship. The things that we do every single day must be things that deepen the intimacy of the relationship, allow each person to be accountable, allow each person to be authentic, and allow each person to be ever more inspired 
and clear and courageous and curious about moving towards their destiny. So that's all I have to share about the shaman in love for this week. I give great thanks to the helping spirits because I wouldn't have had anything to say about this today without them for their great, great teaching. I give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Remember, everyone, that you are great lovers. You were born to be so. So have a week filled with that knowing. Thank you, everyone. Have a good week.